Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Kia ora. Hello, I'm Zoe George, Wisp World New Zealand in Wellington. And I'm Katrina Grant, also in Wellington. First time you've co-hosted with me. For those who don't know you, she is a white fern defensive player who's pretty good at turning defence into attack. And she's also the captain of my local netball team, which is the Central Pogs. Yeah, can't help myself. <laughs> Thanks for letting me co-host. You're pretty brave. Oh, that's right. I've heard lots of fun things about you. So I thought, <laughs> wow, I need someone who's interesting and who can talk about all sorts of things very early in the morning here in New Zealand. Um, shortly, we are going to talk triathlon. We're also going to do a bit of netball as well, looking towards the championship that starts next week, which is rather exciting. We're talking about sports injuries and how to get over them mentally as well as physically with a sports psychologist, yachting and water quality in Rio, hockey, pay parity, gender issues, of course, Lydia Co. And we'll look at some upcoming events. Um, I did want to briefly touch on the cricket before we moved on. Um, this is what... No sleep looks like because I stayed up until whatever time it was this morning to you watch. You look amazing, Zoe. Don't oh, worry about it. Ta ta this morning to watch the white fans. Um, it was you know the West Indies, West Indies, New Zealand semi final. Disappointing to see the white fans not go through. They did have it in them. They could have done it, but actually the West Indies were all over us in the field. They were just so sharp, and our fielding was a little bit sloppy in the first innings. Um, Sarah McGlashan, she's always a good one to look out for to steady the ship when things go a bit belly up in the batting order, but it was that middle-order batting collapse that really cost New Zealand. Uh, but at the same time, really great to see the West Indies step up and perform really well. Are you a bit of a cricket fan, Katrina? I am a cricket fan. Um, I know Susie Bates and Sophie Devine, so I know they train darn hard oh, for what they do and yeah. things like that, and they've been working pretty hard towards this. So it's, it's uh, disappointing to see them loss, um, lose, and yeah, they'll come home pretty pretty gutted about it. Yeah, saying that, it is a vast improvement from their last outing at the T20 Worlds where they came fifth. Uh, um, they have made it through to the, to the finals twice, 2009 and 10, lost both times the second time round to Australia by three runs. Heartbreaking. Oh. Always losing to Australia too, <laughs> heartbreaking. I know how they feel. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know yeah. a little bit about that. Just a little bit. Uh, and, and you've actually played against people from Jamaica, like the Jamaican team. Mm, definitely. Tell me about their attitude and, and about how they play. So, yeah, um, 
We discussed before how T20 is probably exactly what the Jamaicans love as um, with netball, you know, 60 minutes. If you get on top of them early, they kind of crumble. But if they get confidence and they get up, they can just come through and absolutely smash you. So it's, um, yeah, if they have this relaxed attitude, but it also works for them, but then mm. sometimes doesn't so much. So, yeah, but great attitude is just so relaxed out. You know, at some breaks, just go have some KFC or something like that. <laughs> they love a bit of fried chicken. <laughs> Uh, Australia, West Indies in the final for the T20. Who's your pick? I'd love to see the West Indies come through. Just um, It would be great for the Caribbean if they did. Mm. But, um, yeah, you can't really go past Aussie that way. This is true. They have been playing really, really well, saying that they lost to New Zealand in the rounds and when they were here recently. True so story. if the West Indies can beat us, I think they can beat Australia. I like it. Yeah, come on, West Indies. All right, that's enough of the cricket. Let's put that away. I don't want to look at it. Uh, triathlon. Nicole Vanderclay, she joins us from New Plymouth, where the ITU Triathlon World Cup is happening this weekend. Hello, Nicole. Hi, good morning. Good morning. You're up early in training, getting ready for tomorrow. Yes, uh, we're just about to head out on the bike familiarisation with all the countries. Now, you came second in the under-23s for New Zealand Elite Sprint Champs. You've been third at the Oceania Elite Junior Champs. You've represented New Zealand at the Elite Junior World Champs in um, 2013. First triathlon was age of 10. Wow. This is incredible. (laughs) And and you debuted, was it last week in Mooloolaba as a pro? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, this was that was my first World Cup, so I was up against all ages and some Olympic previous Olympians, so it was pretty pretty big for me. And you came in at sixteenth. Yeah, yeah. How do you mentally prepare yourself for something like that for your first big debut at a World Cup like this? Well, I guess um, it's it's a bit nicer for me being uh, less pressure because no one knows who I am. I was virtually last on the start list. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, no one really knew who I was. And then I just kind of slipped in there and worked with the group through the triathlon. Yeah, sometimes it's quite nice being an unknown, isn't it, Katrina? But you're not an unknown anymore. So. <laughs> yeah, being, being young and coming through. And, um, and Nicole, you've got a great coach with Tim Brazier. How has he helped you along the way? Uh, yeah, he's my um, swim coach and the squad swim coach. So he's awesome. He, um, I, I worked with him when I was a junior triathlete. Um, and he's great with technique tips and traveling and just keeping you calm on race day and when it counts. Good man. I went to school with Tim actually. That's why I wanted to give him a bit of a, you know, bump <laughs> up in there. <laughs> good man, good man. That's sport in New Zealand for you though, isn't yeah, it? It's just great. the way that it is. Uh, okay, so tell me about the new Plymouth course and competition. What's it looking like? Well, so far a big low's coming through, so there's going to be looking mm. like thunderstorms tomorrow. But oh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that clears through a bit. But it should make it a bit interesting for the viewers, at least. Um, a bit more excitement on the bike. Hopefully, we can all hold our line and stay in one piece. What does that also do for the swimming in the water? Because it would be quite choppy, won't it? Won't it? Yeah, um, especially if winds come through. Um, uh, that, I guess it's more of an advantage for me because I'm used to surf swimming and um, that might help me kind of sail through while others freak out a bit. But, um, yeah, it should make it more interesting. 
And then the bike, are you guys allowed to stream behind each other? Is that part of the rules or do you have to have, what's the gap that you have to have while you're on the bike? Because I guess in that kind of condition where it's blowing a gale and there's thunderstorms, you want to bunch together, don't you? Uh, yeah, definitely. So since this is elite and um, uh, sprint distance, but um, ITU, so it's drafting, so we can go as close as we want behind each other, which will make a huge difference in windy weathers. So um, coming out of the water will be very important um, in a good position. So hopefully I'll be up there and then tuck in behind some of the strong riders. And so does your game plan change because of the weather patterns um, where you have to drink more or drink less or eat different foods to adapt your body to those conditions? Uh, definitely water-wise. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago in Mooloolaba, it was so hot. Um, I probably didn't drink enough water, but it's going to be completely different to here. I'll still need to drink fluids, but it won't be as vital to get them in as it was in Mooloolaba. The toughest competition. Who's who's the one that you're going to be chasing down? <laughs> well, there's quite there's quite a lineup. Um, there's world number one racing as well as world number three, Andrea Hewitt. So, wow. <laughs> yeah, it, it's more of an experience for me, but I can't wait to get out there and um, just give it my all. It's actually Andrea Hewitt's first race back um, after she lost her partner, which was devastating so I really wish you all the very best and um, and she will be I think the only one for New Zealand representing New Zealand at Rio uh, you're eyeing up Tokyo 220 aren't you Nicole yes yes that's my goal that's your goal what's the process from here then to get there um so hopefully I'll do a few more world cups and then um hopefully qualify myself for a world triathlon series so you just have to get enough points to get in there or get subbed in um, and then from there, I want to do 2018 Com Games in Gold Coast and on from there to Tokyo. Fantastic. I think that's a wonderful yeah, goal definitely. to have. I mean, that's a, that's Katrina, that's quite a far way out, isn't it, when you're planning a sports career? But you've been around the international scene for quite some time. So how do you keep that longevity going? Nicole's quite quite similar to me, how she's um kind of set a kind of two to four year plan where um with us we do world champs, so it's every four years and then um com games. So I'm hopefully gonna Nicole see you at uh, Gold Coast, which would be awesome. <laughs> we can hang out and you can teach me some of your running tips because um I'm guessing you'd be a heck fitter than I am on the run so uh, we can hang out and talk <laughs> yeah sounds like a deal <laughs> great I'll just stand on the sideline and ask you guys questions as you run by yes, yeah, we'll just do that yeah sounds good hey Nicole thank you so much for your time we wish you all the very best this weekend uh, and then there's a few more World Cups coming up uh, over the next few weeks as well isn't there uh, yes um, uh, I won't be doing the next ones because they're Olympic distance and at the moment it's focusing on half the sprint distance so mm -hmm. um but hopefully i will be joining in the european season which would be pretty exciting fantastic that sounds great we wish you all the very best and we look forward to watching you progress uh, and um and we'll have to stay in touch oh thank you very much thanks so much thanks nicole that longevity, Katrina, can be quite a tough mental barrier to get over too, can't it? I mean, sometimes there can be days in sport that are just so dark and you're like, oh my God, I've had enough. Yeah, it is. Um, it's interesting actually. I was talking to somebody I knew uh, about a year or so ago. I just met them and they were saying how in their job, um, they were saying that their their best day would be, say, my worst day. Mm. And I was like, no, you guys have this. And it, 
don't mean like in a generalized job, your, um, I know what's the range is totally different. Like our bad day is really, really bad, but our good day is amazing and we cannot like it's just unbelievable but you know in sport you have bad days and unfortunately you're seeing at the moment a lot of depression in that coming through mm. so there are dark days but those good days are, are so darn good yeah the good days are good and, yeah. and you're right the mental illness um, I read a piece recently about the skyrocketing rates of suicide in cricket mm. and that's really concerning um, I guess you know Depression is, is something that New Zealanders have started to talk about recently, which yeah. is really good. Um, and maybe someone who might be able to tell us a little bit about depression in sport is Karen Nemo, who's a sports psychologist who's going to be talking to us right now, conveniently. Uh, conveniently. But yeah, you're right. The thing being an international sports person, though, is that not only have you got yourself with all the pressure on you, you've also got the pressure of the country. Yeah, exactly. And Your family, the everything. Country, yeah. yeah. And then, and when you, when you, might miss that goal or something like that you know it's just the weight of the world and it yeah. just closes in on you, on you doesn't it yeah because when we um we lost world champs uh last year that was really tough it was we were really disappointed but mm. um like we were all fine when we we're in a huddle like okay, yeah we you know we lost we're all right and then you were, we were walking off the court to go to our change rooms and there's just this crowd full of kiwis just going like cheering for us, going, we still love you, rah, rah, like all that kind of carry on. And that's when you start to tear up because, yeah. you know, they are right behind you and you, you tried so hard to do it for them, but you couldn't quite get over the line, but they still love you no matter what. And that's that's the part that really, um, yeah, it's quite emotional. Mm, I can imagine it would be tough. I'm sure the White Ferns are feeling exactly the oh, same definitely. way. I still love them. I, text, I tweeted them last night saying that I was still so proud of them and good on them. And um, See, we love fans like you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I was tweeting the entire game. At one stage, I was like, I really need to go to bed, but I just can't. Uh, anyway, hello, Karen. Can you hear me? Good morning. Good um, morning. Good. Uh, uh, so, yeah, Zoe and Katrina Grant. Hello. Morning, both. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're actually just talking about um, pressure and the mental pressure of being at the top. Um, that can be quite a tough challenge for a lot of athletes, can't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, as Katrina has probably just talked about, um, the high-pressure arena of sport can throw up all sorts of mental demons, um, you know, at various times of your career. Injury, non-selection, uh, as she just alluded to, losing. You know, it can be a very tough place to be uh, for, for athletes and coaches and officials mm. too, for that matter. That's very true. Um, let's take a snapshot of one of those things. Jody Brown... Uh, Katrina, your teammate, severe injury mm. this week, last week, that's it, her career is done. When it comes to getting over, getting mentally fit after a physical injury, that's got to be a tough challenge in itself, doesn't it? Oh, heck, uh, Jodie especially is one of the top class netballers going around. She's been an in international netball for over 12 years now and this was her year to give back to netball. You know, she wanted to help our young ones through this year because we've got a very young side and just to, um, yeah, thank everyone who's helped her over these last few years and um, unfortunately she wasn't able to do that and just watching her go down was, was heartbreaking and she handled it really well in front of the team for the first couple of days and then I was calling her while she's been at home and, you know, she's, uh, it's a... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. 
Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Massive struggle, you know, coming to terms with that's her career done. And um, yeah, it's yeah, it's really, really tough on her. Mm. So Karen, let's first look at recovering from an injury while you're still an athlete and getting over an injury that means that your career isn't coming to an end. Uh, how do you deal with that in your head and, and, and getting around that? Well, yeah, first of all, I suppose the thing is athletes, it's important to remember athletes are most vulnerable when they're not playing. So that those times would be injury, um, when you've been dropped or non-selected, and retirement. So in the case of Jody, as you've just talked about, she's got two of those things at the same time. She's got the injury and the retirement hitting her, bam, you know, very suddenly. So that's an awful shock as well. So it affects not just your body, but your life plan. Um, and just in terms of recovering from injury, when you are still an athlete or, or carrying on with your career, the, the fear and the mental ghosts and the mind games are you know, as much a part of it as the as the physical recovery. I just listened to an interview with Sarah Walker this morning on radio, and I was astonished to hear the interview interview her um, ask her nothing about her confidence, um, how she felt about possibly not going to Rio when she broke her arm. Um, just only asked about her, you know, the the physical side of the recovery, and I thought, gee, you know, that's quite naive, really, because half of the battle as Katrina will tell you, in sport goes on in your in your head, not not just your body. So when you injure yourself as an athlete, it's a huge fight to come back. You've, you're filled with thoughts about, you know, will I be the same? Will it happen again? Um, you're anxious. You can get isolated because suddenly you've lost your sort of identity and your, your role within the team or, or within your sport. Um, and sometimes you'll see real resentment by athletes of the body part that's that's betrayed them. Um, which is an interesting thing too. But. Katrina's <laughs> nodding. You, yeah, yeah. You've been through this. Tell us about your experience. Yeah, I'm. I'm lucky in the sense that I've never um, touched wood. I haven't had a major injury, but I have. Um, I've had four stress fractures in my feet. Where, um, where one season I was in a moon boot for six days a week, and I'd come out of the moon boot just to play the game. And um, it, it was just hard watching training and kind of feeling as being a captain as well, being disconnected through all team trainings and all that kind of carry on. It was. It was a very, very tough season, and um, yeah, you're so right, though, Karen. The mental side of it is is ten times worse than the actual physical side. So, yeah, I think there needs to be a lot more um, awareness around that, and um, I think we're slowly getting there, but a little bit more needs to come in, involved. I think. Totally agree. <laughs> totally yeah. agree. That's the, that's the part I see. You know, they land up on your couch when when people are really struggling and, and um, you know, that's often not acknowledged, especially when people are lonely and isolated and, you know, don't know what to do. They know what to do when they go in the gym, but they don't know what to do with their heads. And so, you know, there's a lot of work has to go into putting a plan in place around that too. Yeah, especially when you've got more time on your hands, right? So you're, um, you know, you don't have to, you can't do as much as what you normally do. So you're sitting on the couch watching TV and, you know, you start eating more, you start thinking more and it's just, yeah, it's just like a spiral really. That's right. Actually, I think that's an interesting one too with women. Often when they get injured, you see a real panic factor come in because oftentimes they've managed their weight and everything they have to do for their sport with um, through exercise. So as soon as they can't exercise and their eating factor comes into play, they start to eat more, you can get real anxieties blow out. Um, 
which is really interesting. So you have to put things in place to deal with that too. At the top level, Katrina, do you have to see as part of being the White Ferns, um, um, Silver Ferns, my apologies, cricket is on my mind, um, do you have to see a psychologist? Is that part of it? You don't have to, but we always have one involved in every team we have now. In the Silver Ferns especially, we always have someone on hand that you can contact and they come in and do sessions with us, um, which I think is, is highly important. And this year at the Pulse, we have someone too, which is actually just down the road from Radio NZ. Um, yeah, so it's, it is very, very important. We don't have to go see them, but... Um, Every everyone in my team so far has at least touched base with them. Yeah, is it something maybe um, Karen that that players and athletes need to do is actually start going to see a psychologist as a I call them a mental coach because you get your physical coaches mm, and sure. as a as a performer you know a musical theatre myself um, and as a broadcaster I go and see a mental coach because broadcasting is a it's a hard gig as well. Um, it's I'm surprised. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so maybe athletes need to start coming to you first before any of this happens. That we should start coaching them from a young age in the mental side of the game. It would be it would be great because oftentimes when we get called is when it's reached crisis point. So mm. you know something has happened, an injury, or somebody's getting depressed, or they've had a blowout or a panic attack, and that can be really challenging because suddenly you're, you're there with an athlete that you don't know. And so you have to build some sort of relationship quite quickly before you can actually help them and get them to trust you. And that's all quite difficult when they're in a state of distress. So the best plan is to have a relationship in place before things go wrong. Um, as Katrina said, you know, they've got their people that they see and I think that's really healthy and important. Um, has to be someone, of course, that you can trust and you get on with because half the value of psychology is having somebody that you have a really good relationship with. Yeah, there's, there has been a stigma around seeing psychologists in the past, uh, but it's becoming more practiced. Uh, I definitely find it very, very helpful, goal setting, planning, you know, mm. what happens when things go belly up and how to how to work around that. And it's always going to happen at the top level too, isn't it, Katrina? Game plans aren't going to happen. They're all going to go yeah. out the window yeah. and you're going to start pulling out your hair and you go, right, true. how can I deal with this mentally? Yeah, it, it is very, very true. Hence why um, I think they've taken away the word psychologist and have brought in mental skills coach yeah. um, just to kind of take the stigma away from the, the name of it and, you know, all that kind of carry on. So I think that's also helped a lot. But, um, yeah, totally agree with Karen in the sense that you need to have a trusting relationship. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to trust that person, you need to go find somebody else because you're not going to get the best out of it. And it is pretty much like having a conversation with someone you really trust just to get everything out there. Mm. And, and there's nothing wrong, Karen, with going, actually, you're not quite the psychologist for me and going and finding somewhere else, you know, going somewhere else, is there? No, I mean, it's really interesting. It's hard to find a fit sometimes. Um, mm. I think sometimes women do need access to a woman because some of the issues that I hear are very... Um, how would you say, female. And I've had a number of athletes come to me at certain times and say, I have not been able to discuss this with a man. And those are all sorts of things ranging from, you know, STDs to pregnancies and and things like that, which, um, you know, if you've got a trusted male, there's no problem with that at all. But I think women Mm. do need to have option to, to see a woman if they want to. Oh, it seems we're getting a bit of phone feedback there. Um, that's right. Having a trusted, having a trust, it's so important, isn't it? Um, I must admit, I think I probably tell my mental skills coach 
more about my life and about strategy than anyone yeah. else. She's a bit like that. Yeah, I know. She's like, oh my God, she knows all my deep dark secrets. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's good because, you know, then she helps you put things in place to go, actually, this is how you, this is how, when this happens, we can try doing this. And a simple form that you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You just need one other person to have a, an opinion just to see inside and um, mm. really help you through. And also it gives you that backup as well, doesn't it, Karen? You know, if someone's going, actually, this is how I'm feeling, and you're going, actually, it's okay to feel mm. that way, and reinforcing that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, it's a safe place, isn't it? It should be confidential, so the person that you're talking to can't share your details with anyone. So, you you know, it's all good. You can say whatever you like as long as, as we say, you, you trust them and you get on well with them. Mm, absolutely. Let's get back to a little bit about injuries. What are some practical athletes for mentally getting fit after a physical injury, Karen? Uh, so some practical strategies? You, yeah. You mean? Um, yeah. Well, first what would you recommend? That, okay, well, in a package, a package deal. First thing <laughs> is I suppose to recognise that the feelings that you're experiencing are okay. So accepting that. Then, then you need to deal with reality. So you need to get a plan for your physical rehab and to follow it. You need to set op- an optimistic goal at the start, but then – Beneath that, you need to set a whole lot of smaller ones so that it's not too hard and it doesn't feel too overwhelming. Um, I would also say one of the great risks for athletes is to become isolated. So Mm. it's very important to stay connected. And um, team management and coaches and other team members can really help with that by, you know, keeping people connected, uh, giving them a role within the team, showing them that they actually care by staying in touch, all that sort of thing. Have some good support people in your corner. So whether it's a psych or a coach or just a trusted friend or somebody who understands your what you're going through. Um, also, I think one of the things that happens when people are injured is they lose their sense of self and identity. So, for example, you know, I am a netball or, or I am a cricket player. Um, that is not all of who you are, and athletes often lose sight of that. So it's really important to have other interests and, and uh, an awareness of yourself beyond your sport. So that should be built up. It should be there before injury, but, but just in case, that's something that you can do when you are injured. Um, and the final thing is patience. Cultivate it because you'll need it. You know, it's a, it's a long haul back. So, you know, be ready for that and, um, you know, Keep, try and stay optimistic, but but like I say, set the goal so you've got something small to strive for. Mm. How's that for a package? Oh, that's perfect. Optimistic but realistic. Yeah, I think it's really important. Uh, the yeah. patience part, though, that's uh, that's probably the hardest one. <laughs> that's definitely the hardest one. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, when Katrina, for you, when you're playing and you've had an injury, are you someone who is like, nah, she'll be right, and just force your way through it and Always. strap your leg and off you go? Always, we can't help it. It's just it's ingrained in us. It's we want to be there for the team, it, especially when you lead a team like I do. Uh, you don't let them down, and it's it's a, it's a bad habit, um, but. It's just the way the way we roll. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, the amount of injuries that I've had over the years from cricket, dancing, the strapping company, I should take shears out. And, yeah, uh, yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Karen, is there anything else that you want to add for athletes out there who might be struggling with their injuries at the moment or maybe depression or anything on that psychology side of things? Because we will come and talk to you again, no doubt. But is there something that you'd like to add at the moment? Well, I think that we should recognise that because I'm a clinical psych, I see a lot of the the sharp end stuff. So I see the the depressions, the anxieties, the addictions, the traumas, 
that sort of thing, and and the eating disorders. And I think we need to acknowledge that, you know, athletes are just people. So mm. if, if one in five in the general population are struggling with mental illness, you'll see that in, in the sports arena as well. And just because, because athletes are tough doesn't mean that they don't struggle at the same level. So, you know, I would like to see people be a little bit more open and acknowledging of the very real problems and the, sometimes the severity that athletes do, um, you know, have to struggle with. And I think that with women's sport, we should also think about body image and eating difficulties because those are rife and quite well masked by a lot of people. So, you know, with a little bit of help, they don't need to be quite so pronounced. Yes, eating is a big is a big topic. Um, I know that before. Before I go on stage, for example, when I perform, because I don't play sport anymore because of all my injuries, uh, but, um, but when I'm on stage, I find that I can't eat before I go on stage. I get terrible performance anxiety. And if I do eat, it's like brown rice and vegetables, and that's about the extent of it. Is that the same for you, Katrina? I mean, how do you fuel your body before you go out on court? Yeah, um, the, the young ones definitely struggle a lot, but I've been around now a very long time. So I know exactly what I need to eat. I don't get as nervous as I used to and things. So I've got a very, very set structure of the hour down to the minute pretty much of what I eat before um, before games and things. So um, it's kind of more after games and as soon as you get a break, uh, say like a two-week break, um, a lot of athletes, they'll just binge pretty much, mm. you know, and that's where things can kind of flow out and then you come back into the season, you might put on a bit of weight and that's when people start to get the anxiety and things like that. So, mm. yeah, I haven't seen it a, a heck of a lot, but it definitely is there. Yeah, it's um, since the season's finished for me, I tell you what, because we've had Christmas and Easter, I won't even mm. tell you how much chocolate <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. I think my spots on my face prove it. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it's it's – it was kind of interesting. As soon as I stopped all that physical activity, because I was dancing like three hours a day. So as soon as that stopped, Christmas came. That was it. I was, yeah. you know, and now I'm back into my pants that are slightly yeah. a bit bigger. But that's okay. I'm kind of happy yeah. with it. A lot of athletes miss out on mm. um, being able to really enjoy themselves at certain mm. times of the year when a lot of other people do. So you've got to make up for it somewhere. Mm. And, um, and yeah, eating, especially for women, is uh, mentally sometimes quite helpful. So, yeah, there is a eating side of it for sure. That's true. Uh, one last thing I was going to say, Karen, is that when it comes to pressure on athletes, we're our worst enemies, aren't we? We put the most pressure on ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I suppose in the modern environment, you also see with social media and the media and things, there's a, there's a lot of pressure comes from out the outside too. So as well as athletes beating up on themselves, they've also got an eye on everything else that's coming their way. And, you know, as Katrina will tell you, sometimes when things are not going well within a team or, you know, for yourself as an athlete, it can be a very difficult and, and lonely place to be because criticism, people don't let up sometimes and they <laughs> can be relentless and that's tough. 
You know it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is greatly appreciated. We will bring you back um, onto our show to talk more about um, prepping and getting your head in the right space. I think it's really important that we continue to talk about mental skills for athletes. So thank you so much. Yeah, and good luck for your season, Katrina. Oh, thank you, Karen. <laughs> One person that. I... One person I know who will be mentally preparing uh, will be Joe Ali. I'm sure that name might sound familiar to you, Katrina. She is one of our wonderful yachties. Yes. Are they, what are they, is it Jolly? Jolly. Polly. Joe and Polly? Joe yeah, and Polly. Yeah. Joe yeah. and Polly. Uh, so she's heading off to Rio. And I don't know if you read the story on Radio New Zealand's website. It's a bit of a plug there for the work. Uh, well but, but it says here, you know, because we're set to send like 200, more than 200 over to Rio, uh, with a quarter of them will be competing on lakes, rivers, and, and in beaches and that type of thing. Doctors have come out and said um, that the athletes are at very high risk of infection due to high levels of fecal matter in the water. It's ridiculous. Um, more than 30 million people live in Rio, uh, and more than half of the sewage produced by those people is not treated, and it's been discharged into the city's waterways. One of those people who's going to be competing in those waterways, which I really hope are going to be cleaned up, is Joe. And hopefully yeah. Joe's there. Are you there, Joe? Yep, yep, I'm here. Thanks so much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. I know that you're busy training, and, and so thank you so much. When you hear that, what do you think? Um, I guess I've, you know, I've heard it before. It's, um, it's not <laughs> news to us. We've been competing there or training there for the last three years. So it's nothing new. It's just... It's not nice and we've sort of just got to get on with it and, and do what we do. So you've almost become accustomed to it. What measures do you have to put in place to keep yourself healthy? Um, I guess we're, we're pretty careful about sort of trying to arrive there, pretty rested, pretty refreshed. You know, you don't want to get too tired. You don't want your immune system to be down. And then just, I mean, guess we're going to be trialling a whole lot of measures this year, just in terms of how we clean our sailing gear, how we sort of, you know, how we handle food on the water, those sort of little things that, you know, we've got people who are figuring out the best ways for us to, to stay safe. But, yeah, it, it's going to be an issue for everyone. So Yeah, they were saying that um, this can cause vomiting, rotavirus, um, cholera, dysentery, hepatitis A and typhoid. Not words that we hear in New Zealand. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess it really makes, really makes us realise how lucky we are here. Yes. You know, I've been out sailing on the Haraka Gulf the last few weeks and it's just beautiful. You know, we get a bad day and everyone's like, oh, it's terrible. And it's like, well, it's not too bad. <laughs> there are no logs floating in the water. It's fine. <laughs> exactly. It's really good. Shouldn't, yeah, shouldn't probably joke about that. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> a bit of a crappy joke right there. I'm a pun. Oh, sorry, puns. Oh, puns. Wow. These are great. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just, you know, it will just go straight down the drain if I continue this way. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so you've been training in for three years in the conditions. What are the conditions like and will they change very much between now and when you go to Rio for the Olympics? Um, I guess it's been a bit changeable while we've been there. Sort of, It depends if there's been big rains. You know, If it's rained a lot recently, then it sort of washes everything into the into the ocean and it's a lot worse. But you know, if there hasn't been much rain, and I think they have made changes since we started training there because the first year we went in um, – 2013 it was it was dirtier so I think there's some progress and hopefully you know there'll be a bit more in this next year but it's just yeah it's yeah it's a bit of a shock coming from New Zealand yeah I can imagine um in the story that featured on RNZ recently it says in sailing and rowing events that have taken place in Rio over the last year five to seven percent of people have fallen ill after the events 
that's actually quite a small percentage, I guess. Um, I, I've travelled to the subcontinent and Katrina, I imagine you've been to some really interesting places over the years. And I went to Bangladesh a few years ago on tour and we were told, you know, how to brush our teeth and what, how, what to avoid and everything. And I was like, great, I'm going to get really sick and lose lots of weight. Uh, and I was, <laughs> I was the only one who didn't get sick. And I was like, why am I upset about this? But it was quite interesting about the steps that you have to take in place to protect yourself from the environment that you're going into, isn't yeah. it? Right? It's a bit like um, when we went to Commonwealth Games in, in India. Oh, yeah. Exactly the same thing. You know, um, I think we're, we're eight floors um, in, our, in our building and um, everything from the sewage went from all eight floors up through the bottom in the uniform shop. So, um, yeah, that was awesome. The New Zealand team are pretty happy about that. Um, but it's just it's just very, very similar, um, you know, bottled water. You just have to be – you've got to be onto it. You've got to be um, smart of what you do because, you know, um, sickness costs medals. And, um, yeah, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine – do you cover it? Because I had a big bottle of hand sanitizer. Mm. Uh, and I guess, Joe, that's going to be something that's going to be in your kit when you go over. Yeah, so like we'll be using all those sort of things. I guess I guess the difference is in Rio that onshore we're not really too worried. Mm. It's you know it's sort of controllable. It's bottled water. It's hand sanitizer. It's the normal sort of precautions you take in a place like like that. Mm. It's just I guess the on the water. We're we're in the water. We're drinking the water. You don't mean to, but you're always going to be. I mean, we get immersed in it. So that's <laughs> the only sort of unknown aspect. But you know we've had a few bits of sickness within the team, but nothing nothing too bad and. That's just a bit of a learning curve. Something, something else to deal with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, other than battling sickness, what's going to be your toughest competition in Rio? Oh, I think Rio. Rio is actually a really interesting place because it's so like Weymouth. The last Olympics in England was quite steady, quite sort of stable, whereas mm. just the wind conditions, the weather. Whereas Rio is, you know, it's very mountainous. It's got we have five different course areas that are inside the harbour, outside the harbour, different wind, different wave states just there's a lot going on so before like even you put the competition in there just trying to get the course right and trying to get trying to find our fastest way around the course is quite a challenge mm, I can just imagine and what are the other teams like competitive level wise do you think you can claim the gold of course um, I mean obviously <laughs> we're going there to try <laughs> yeah, definitely. go to the Olympics yeah. to win the gold that's the whole yeah. point isn't it yeah yeah and there'll be a few good teams. There's the silver medals from last time who are still going, and they're they're very strong, the British girls. And there's a there's a good Brazilian team, a good French team, a good American team, a good Austrian team. I mean, there's about <laughs> probably four, five, six of us that'll be up there, and it'll just be yeah, who comes out on the day. Yeah, so tough competition, but tough competition is good competition, though, right? Oh, it is exactly. If it wasn't tough competition, it wouldn't be so much fun. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how much more training have you got to do in New Zealand before you head over? Uh, we've just got another two weeks, or a week and a half wow. on the water here in New Zealand. And then we're overseas just to Europe for, for an event. And then after that, we're sort of in and out of Rio, just doing our final preparations and yeah, getting used to the venue as much as we can. So you and Polly, Polly Powery, um, how does that team dynamic work? Because you're very successful at what you do. Quite jolly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. I, I think we're pretty lucky. You know, we we get on really well. We've been sailing together for nearly eight years, and we still get on. You know, we've had a Bonus. good sports psych who's helped us with all of that. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I think we're lucky enough within our team that we we complement each other in the right areas, and we're also 
similar enough but different enough, and that's sort of what makes it work. You know, we don't overlap too much, and we seem to be able to cover the bases and, and still have fun doing it because that's that's so important when you're doing it for this long. I can imagine being in a in a confined space with someone is longer than a lot of marriages. Yeah, oh, yeah, and we see each other every single day, and wow. we spend a lot of the day about a meter from each other. So yeah, I know, yeah. right? Yeah. And at that close as well, you're like, oh, come on, you really need to take a shower and then you shove them <laughs> in the water, right? You know, <laughs> you haven't worked each other out yet. Uh, oh, oh, that's so kind. I would have like shoved out my partner way ages ago. Um, oh, well, and uh, and will you be bunking? Do you guys bunk together as well when you tour around? Um, in Europe, we often stay together. Yeah. And Rio will be in a, a team house probably. So, we yeah, we're, we're always within, you know, a few metres. Yeah. <laughs> How do you work out in such small confines when you have a disagreement? I guess, it, Katrina, it's like any team, isn't it? Do you just deal with it and then it's done? Or is there a bit of... I suppose um, with me, with a team of 12, you know, you're not always going to get along with somebody and you can kind of hide with it. But um, you guys are just two of you, so you kind of have to sort it out pretty quick. Yeah, I guess there's two of us and the coach. So he's like the third member oh, yeah. of the team. So he can sort of help, you know. I don't know if he has toys or just, you know, adds to it because he'll take one side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's pretty good. But, I mean, yeah, real. we've got ways to deal with it now and it's it's just being open enough and being like keeping communication going because that's when it goes bad. If we just if you have something that's bugging you and you don't talk about it, I think it's just like any relationship, you know, be open and communicate and you can usually work through the problems. Communication is the key. That's, it is, it yeah, is. It's, it's the key to the gold medal. That's what it is. Yep, it is. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. We wish you all the very best. We'll be keeping an eye on you for your road to Rio uh, and bring us home that gold. Yep, cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks so Thanks, much. Bye. Right. Oh, competing at big tournaments like that, like the Com Games, um, surrounded by so many athletes from mm. so many different countries, is it hard not to get swept up in that whole that whole thing? Because I imagine there'd be this. Yeah, because um, you're constantly, you don't stay very close to, the, say, the dining room. So you're always, you know, you've got to walk there, have some food. You might as well sit, sit around, chill out, meet some other athletes and things. But with the Olympics, it's so much bigger than that, um, than the Com Games as well. So I can imagine um, some young athletes would probably struggle with that and just seeing, you know, superstars walking around, you know, those NBA players and all that kind of carry on. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, even when Usain Bolt was at, Com Games in Glasgow, every time he walked around, he would just get mobbed. And he just had to start using the security gates and things like that because it was just insane. So the Olympics have so many more of those people as well. So, yeah, it'd be awesome to go to, but you could get caught up in it, I can imagine. Mm. What about things like fraternization, alcohol? Yeah, it's, it's, it goes around a lot. Um, um, in Com Games, there was no alcohol um, inside our village and things like that with the New Zealand team. But um, suddenly last night, it's no reason why you can't not. So, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, when you're competing, you're competing and mm. that's it. Um, you don't want any distractions because, yeah, it can cost you a gold medal. Mm, yeah, you're there for your sport, not mm. to socialise. You can exactly. socialise once you're done. Exactly. That's Yeah, you know, you're there for your sport. I can imagine, though, that, um, yeah, I've read stories of, of athletes who have decided to go out and yes. have a bit of fun and then get home quite late and then been locked out of the village and, and then that causes all sorts of problems, I guess, yeah. especially when your country is invested in you for you to go and do something like that. It's, it's yeah. a little bit selfish, isn't it? It is also hard because, um, say, 
it's over two weeks mm. and you compete on the first day and then you're done and you can sometimes some people stay for the whole two weeks and they're just you know having a really good time that's also very distracting for other athletes mm. and that can be hard as well mm. uh, yes it can be very yeah. <laughs> very difficult let's talk about netball you know that's I know oh, that subject I think you do yeah, yeah. I think you do. <laughs> a little bit of it so the um, ANZ starts um, Monday this weekend. So Friday night's the first game. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, actually I'm getting all my, my post girls over to my house, uh, cook them up a couple of lasagnas and things and watch the first game together just to kind of bring the girls um, together before our first game on Monday. Good team bonding. Very good, yeah. And who are you playing? Uh, you're playing here in Wellington, aren't you? Yes, we're playing the Waikato Bay Plenty Magic on mm-hmm. Monday. Um, should be a really good game, especially because our team with injuries, we've actually had two ACLs in our, in our team this year, which is oh. unfortunate. And um we have, I think we're up to nine new players. So there's only three of us left from last year now. Wow. Which is which is big and mm. it's um, the most any team have ever had. So, yeah. Sometimes, you know, getting rid of the old hats is sometimes a good thing, sometimes mm. not because you lose that experience. What's the realistic goals for the Pulse this year? Yeah, it's it's hard to know because the starting lineup we'll use on Monday, we've actually haven't, we've trained with it twice. Wow. Yeah, just because I, I've been out for illness for a couple of weeks and we've had other injuries and then Jody going down just last week. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's been tough, but, you know, we're a young side and we're lucky enough that we get along really, really well on and off the court and that will help us through the season. So our first game, um, I actually don't even know exactly what's going to happen. I need us to get out there, get into a competition game to see what we can bring, mm. you know, so... Who knows? I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm just super excited and I just want to play. Fair just enough. let us get let us play. <laughs> uh, toughest competition, biggest threats, biggest teams. Teams, the Swifts, New South Wales Swifts mm-hmm. in Sydney, and they've got Laura Langman, um, the first orphan to actually go and play for an Australian franchise. Yes, what's the vibe around that? So I um, I get on with Laura amazingly well and she is one super amazing human and when it comes to being an athlete and a netballer and she just needed a challenge and this was a great challenge for her and I really support what she's done and you know it's only going to help us as well I think you know she's going to come back to a sore ferns environment she's going to know a lot more about the Aussies and exactly how they train and all that kind of carry on and um, if any player was going to go and do it it was going to be her and um, yeah so full support for her. Oh, well, it'll be very interesting to see how she goes over there. She's mm. infiltrated the Australia. Yeah, she has, she has. But, yeah, <laughs> it depends as well if the um, competition changes. We mm. don't want um, many NZ players to go over to Australia, um, but we have to wait and see what happens mm. with that. Because it will deplete the stocks here and the standard exactly. here, won't it? And, you, and then that gap will widen between Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, it could do, yeah. And we don't want that. No, uh, no, no, we don't, no. <laughs> um, something quite interesting that we talked about off air a little bit earlier was about the way that netballers are talked about by the media. Uh, And there was a story uh, yesterday in a New Zealand newspaper called the New Zealand Herald, which is called The A-Team, Netballers Who Shine Off the Court. (laughs) And what they've done is taken photos from the netballers' Instagram and Twitter and then written something about it and give them a a little title like the funny girl and the social butterfly and the body sculptor and almost sexualised them. When I sent this to you, because I saw it and I just rolled my eyes, but that's just me. When mm. I sent this to you, what were your I, I just laugh because it's uh, it's happening a lot, um, especially over the last couple of years or even in the last six months a lot. Um, especially Maria and Kayla have both become um, quite prominent in the media and the magazines um, with because of who they're dating. So they're dating sports stars. And um, to be fair... If it's going to up the profile of netball, I do not mind. 
you know. And these are the two girls who do not mind being the social light and they handle it very, very well. And mm. they're the two that I think um, do a great job of it. It's I would only get uh, nervous and a bit worried about it if it starts affecting maybe some of the young ones or ones that can't handle it. Um, and that's when I would kind of get, yeah, a little bit concerned and, you know, having the young ones in the magazines when they're not ready to be and, you know, and that kind of carry on. But at the moment, I think it's fine. Um, and, yeah, hopefully it just ups the profile of Nepal. <laughs> Something else that I find interesting is that the photos that they use of uh, the netballers, there's one newspaper who shall remain nameless here in Wellington. Mm-hmm. Who, whenever they write a story about netball and they to- take a photograph, it's an upskirt shot. Yeah, always, without Dri- fail. Drives me completely insane. Don't worry, it does us too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your perception of that. I mean, have you gone to them and gone, actually, can you not do that? To be honest, we haven't, but it's, it's quite entertaining. Uh, we get to training after the weekend and we're just like, who's in it this week? Who are we going to laugh at? Who's got the undie shot? And what kind of facials have you got going on? You know, it's, um, we, you, you know, you just learn to laugh about it because it's, you know, it's netball. We wear dresses. It's just part of it now and mm. it's the, the way it is and it's, yeah, what can we really do about it? And you said you're struggling for sponsorship, so maybe you should sponsor your undies. Yeah, ex- we did talk about this, and I'm like, we can't get one on the front of our dress, let's get one on the back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> netball is the second biggest sport in New Zealand, behind mm-hmm. rugby, and then netball, then cricket, and then football. It's pretty good. Um, netball gets a lot of coverage, improved coverage through the media, which is fantastic. Uh the thing that I find quite interesting is that netball is, I mean, this. I mean, we're looking at it right here, you mm. know, the fact that we, we're sexualizing them. Mm-hmm. But netball is seen as a sport that's created for women by women. Exactly. Uh, so it's a feminine sport. Hockey, you know, again, you're wearing a skirt, a dress. Um, cricket, on the other hand. Yes. Cricket is a sport that Very was... covered. Yes. Um, I mean, if you wear a skirt when you play cricket, you're going to get injured straight out. You just can't. You can't slide in a skirt. You're going to rip your legs to shreds. Mm. Um, but cricket is a sport that's created by men for men's interests. And uh, and so when you get a female playing that, that sport, it challenges the notion of masculinity. Which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. Because sport is for everyone. With netball, though, I find it quite interesting. We've been talking a lot about, for example, um, the the women's cricket team, about them being funded by New Zealand cricket, but New Zealand cricket going, well, they're not a financially viable option. When it comes to netball, the New Zealand men's netball team is actually highly successful too, aren't they? Yeah, they are, definitely. But they don't get the publicity or the sponsorship. That <laughs> no, exactly. So, yeah, you're right because, um, yeah, it was made by women for women. Mm. So it's there's no men's competition or any that kind of carry on. So it is... In a sense, it's yeah very similar to other sports where women aren't really involved as much either. Mm. And you play against the men too, don't you, for trainings? And yeah, we do. They're such amazing athletes. Mm. They yeah. really do challenge us because they're obviously stronger than us and things like that. So um, they're going to knock us off the ball with exactly what we need just to um, become stronger and be able to stand up in a real game. They're a lot more aerial, aren't they? Very much so, yeah. And then they obviously can pass the ball that much harder and things like that. So, yeah, it's really good coming up against them, but... Then also when you come against women, it's it's a totally different game. They mm. play it completely different to the way we do. And is there a big difference between the way that New Zealanders and Australians play it? Uh, yes and no. It's uh, kind of merging into one at the moment. Mm. It's uh, it, You can definitely still tell the different styles, but when you play against each other, it does look very, very similar. Um, I think just with the ANZ champs coming on board and we play against each other so often, mm. it's yeah merging into one game, I think. 
There was a story a couple of weeks ago in the same newspaper that likes to print the upskirt shots saying that actually <laughs> New Zealand shouldn't play netball anymore and that we oh, should yeah. go to basketball because netball is such a minority sport on the world stage. My theory, great theory this, we've got ANZ Champs starting this week. Mm-hmm. Why not start talking about netball? I looked at that article on, um, on the internet and it had well over 300 comments. And I'm like, once again, I was, when I first saw it, I was not happy about it. I was like, this guy is, that's it, not talking to this journalist ever again. I can't believe he's dissed my sport like this. Like, netball's my life, so, you know, I get very passionate about it. But look how many people are talking about netball and we're coming into our first weekend, so I've... To be honest, that is a complete bonus. A friend of mine, she's got a season pass to the Pulse and mm. we were meant to be catching up next week. She goes, not Monday. I can't do Monday. I've got to go to the Pulse game. Ah, yes. <laughs> I like it. This is brilliant. <laughs> right. I suppose we should probably hit on a few more topics other than netball. Um, hockey, Black Sticks are playing in the Hawks Bay. They're playing. So we've got, there's a few teams, Australia, New Zealand, China, South Korea, Japan, India, Canada and Ireland. Uh, which will be fantastic. It is a big tournament that leads up to Rio. I think it's going to be a tough competition. I think we might be able to do it, though. I mean, we're New Zealand are the second-ranked team. They're doing so well. They're doing so well. Yeah. Leading into Rio, like, they're hopefully... Peaking. Yeah, yeah. But we want to peak... Perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Don't agree. peak too early. Don't yeah. want to peak too early. Uh, so if you're in the Hawke's Bay, yeah, go down and watch. Um, otherwise, you could probably check it out online as well. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Yeah, live hockey is amazing to oh, watch. It's incredible, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, they're, they're great athletes and really good people too. Mm. Have you played hockey? No, I'm a bit tall for hockey. I feel like yes. I might get a bad back. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, they are a phenomenal athletes. So yeah, it's amazing to watch. Yes, they, they are fantastic. I must admit, I did try hockey. Um, not my thing. I wasn't a bad netballer. Perfect height for your hockey, though. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm also <laughs> quite the perfect height to be a centre in netball as well. Oh, nice. But I was, a, I was a bit of a gun shooter. The only problem is, though, that I'm way too short. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm guessing my lean would probably come straight over the ball. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was far too good. You know, good technique. I could get good positioning and I could get it in. But yeah, I'm, I'm maybe only, coaching. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. Um, I did do umpiring and I umpired at some New Zealand underage tournaments and stuff That's when good. I was younger. You umpires? Yeah, yeah, you do. So maybe... Um, they get a bad rap, but they're actually they're very, very good at what they do and we can't play the game without them. That's exactly right. Uh, and, you know, uh, um, bench officials as well. Mm-hmm. I think I told you, um, and this is something I've mentioned before on this podcast, but my mum's an international bench official, which is... So we love her to pieces. Yeah, we love her. She's, even though she's Australian, it's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that bad accent, eh? Hey? <laughs> love your mum. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you hear her with her Australian accent before you see her, but she's fantastic. And, and I think it's great that, you know, to have that throughout your, your whole family and to be involved with such I a agree. sport from a young age. Um, I wanted to talk very briefly about this TV channel that TVNZ is putting online. It's called Duke and it's targeted at men. I want to know if we have a New Zealand women's channel, what do you think would be on that? Uh, netball. Of course. Of course. Of course. Um, definitely netball. Uh, beach volleyball, obviously, because of the outfit and the beach. <laughs> um, hockey, of course, because hockey is getting great in New Zealand. Yeah, hockey is awesome. But um, it's, yeah, it would be nice. I actually watched Duke for the first time the other day and I had no idea what it was. And I was just sort of watching the NBA. And then I was like, oh, this is, now I know it's a men's channel. That's yeah. it. I'm done. Yeah. I'm yeah. not watching it anymore. <laughs> 
And I sort of was like, um, uh, men's channel. Okay. Mm. All right. Maybe cheerleading. Yeah, maybe we should put, actually, we should put some women's sport on the men's channel. Yeah, why not? Hot on sport is sport, right? No matter who's playing. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, successful women continuing to kick butt. Lydia Ko. She's amazing. She's incredible. Just a freak of nature. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And and uh, her coach came out uh, recently to say that she makes the game look easy. Yeah, she looks so poised every time she plays, doesn't she? Just, yeah. oh, just such a natural ability. Classic last week, won that. This week, uh, first major of the year, looking, uh, she's the 16th after one round, I think, and just looking poised as anything, very cool, calm and collected. I mean, what were you like at her age? Definitely not like that. Oh, my goodness. Just so much, um, I don't know, media and there's so many winnings and she's just everywhere, plastered on everything and mm. she just handles herself. With such maturity for her age, and even she's probably more mature than I am, and I'm nearly thirty. So, you know, she's she's a great ambassador for New Zealand, mm. and um, she's putting us on the map, and we can't thank her enough, probably. Yeah, she's doing wonderful things for golf, and I wish her all the very best for her latest. Uh, we're almost coming to the end, so I just wanted to mention a couple of things that are coming up. We do have the Triathlon World Cup that we spoke to Nicole earlier about. That's happening in New Plymouth this weekend. So if you're in the beautiful Taranaki, go and cheer on our team. The Marty Cup, rowing, is that something that you've given a go? I have tried. I'm terrible at it. But Irene Van Dyke's daughter, Bianca, yep. is great. She's um, getting a scholarship to the States for it. Are you serious? Yeah, so she, I think we need to interview her, don't I you? agree. Yeah, yep. she okay. is, yeah. Not bad. And and imagine the shoes that she has to fill being Irene Van Dyke's daughter. That's a tough road. That is. Hence why I think she's gone into rowing yep. and she's found she's found her sport. That is fantastic. Yeah, well, that's it. We all have our own little niches, don't we? Exactly. Um, so Marty Cup is the rowing competition for high school students here in New Zealand. It's highly contested and that's coming up too. We've got the Yachting World Champs. We've got Mountain Biking Festival in Rotorua. Is that something you've done, mountain biking? So um, a few weeks ago I was in Rotorua for Crankworks. Cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Their ramps and the what they've built there under the gondolas yeah. is ridiculous. Very cool. Does your coach go, oh, I really don't want you riding a mountain bike? Or- I'm, there's no way I would ride a mountain bike in the season, to be honest, because seen, I've seen some injuries and collarbones and thumbs and, and oh, it's just horrific. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We've also got the New Zealand Marathon Canoeing Championships, the Road National Cycling Cycling Champs, and later in the month, the New Zealand Marathon Champs for the athletics as well. Lots on, as always. Love sport in New Zealand. We're such a sporty nation, which mm. is great. Um, but that's about it. So thank you so much for co-hosting with me today, Katrina. Oh, that was fun. You're a natural. Oh, Zoe, stop it. <laughs> I think we might have to have you yeah. back, maybe. Oh, no worries. Definitely. <laughs> thank you again um, to RNZ for hosting us and to Kevin, who is behind the glass. Thank you so much. Um, and remember to visit our website at wispsport.com for all the latest comprehensive coverage of women in sport from around the world. You um, can also follow me on Twitter at producer underscore Zoe. And don't forget to share, like, and comment uh, on Wisp, our Wisp Sports. We'd love to hear from you. What's your um, Twitter handle? Do you have one so that we can have a chat to you online? Um, I do. I'm at Katrina Grant 7. I actually just tweeted about um, my awesome co-hosting at Wisp Sports, so uh, get amongst it, guys. Sounds good. I think I might have to retweet that. Hashtag fun time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I hashtag crazy for letting me come in. But... <laughs> hashtag need more coffee. Yeah, yeah. Blame <laughs> yeah. my flatmate for that. Thanks so much. And that's all for this month's Wisp World New Zealand. I'm Zoe George. Until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.